one article that was up on Giants Wire this week was the uh, official top 30 visit for Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, uh, which I'm sure have Giants fans feeling a certain kind of way. What should we be making out of the Giants hosting Hooker on a top uh, visit? Nothing. Nothing. I, I'm, su- <laughs> I'm surprised that people are surprised. Welcome into the show. It's Ryan O'Leary here along with my good friend Dan Benton. It is the Giants Wire podcast brought to you, of course, by the USA Today Network. I think we finally made it, Dan. We're a week away from the draft. Are you ready for our big Giants draft preview episode or what? Are you are you ready to be done with the mock draft season? I am, I am beyond ready to be done with the mock draft season. That uh, that gets stale about a month ago. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over that. Uh, excited to get the draft over, too, uh, mainly just because the three-day working there is a, is nightmarish and there's almost no sleep to be had whatsoever. But also excited to see what the Giants do, who they end up with, what gaps and what holes they fill, and, and basically uh, how they set themselves up for this season, which obviously is going to be you know a, a huge season for Brian Dable and Joe Shane. So. Uh, definitely excited to see how things play out. Ten picks going in so far. Honestly, it would be a little surprised if they carry all ten picks of that of those into the draft. But like I said, uh, there's a million different ways this could go. Kind of exciting. Oh, so you see some trades coming. You see some trades. You see some movement. I I do envision. I, I I would be I would be legitimately surprised if they brought all ten picks into the draft. I do. So um, that the the whole draft vibe and the whole draft excitement might kick up a little bit early for the Giants because. Uh, I think they're going to make some moves before the draft or at the very least during the first round of the draft. I love that because I kind of want to, I wish I could be in like a Giants fan like draft room and just watch them agonizingly wait until the 25th pick. Like Giants fans aren't used to that, Dan. This is no. this is uncharted no, waters pick, for Giants fans. Yeah, that, you're going to be waiting a while too. That pick ain't going to come to like 11. Oh my so. gosh, they're going to be like, guys, we're usually in bed. You know, we've already had yeah. our pick. Like everything is fine. We're usually in bed by this point. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get to our, our draft thoughts, maybe best case scenarios. We're going to do some uh, Giants draft needs tiers. So we'll kind of go through our tiers of what the biggest needs are going in and stuff like that. But Dan, there are some stuff before we get to that. There are some stuff going on with the team uh, that I want to get your take on. Uh, first and foremost, the one that's kind of at top of mind for a lot of Giants fans right now is just Saquon Barkley being pissed. Uh, not participating in the voluntary portion of the Giants offseason, and, and he can't. It's not like he you know, he doesn't want to. I, well, he probably doesn't want to, but he also can't because he hasn't signed his franchise tag tender. Uh, so this is – how messy is this situation, do you think, Dan, and how worried should fans be about it? Because what we're seeing in the reporting is that, well, the Giants aren't really – get anywhere closer to what Saquon wants in terms of his contract negotiation. And Barkley doesn't plan on signing that tender anytime soon. And the two sides appear to be uh, far apart, you know, just as far apart as they were like a month ago. Right. So uh, how worried should fans be about the Saquon Barkley situation, how that's playing out right now? I guess that's open to interpretation. I wouldn't say that they're not any closer. There's simply no negotiations going on right now whatsoever. The giants pulled their offers you know, they, they made their offers. They stuck with them. Barkley and, and company turned them down. The Giants yanked them. And they're perfectly content, you know, going into the season, letting him play things out on the franchise tag. Uh, as far as Barkley himself, you know, clearly he's unhappy. He made that abundantly clear last year. He didn't want to play on the tag. And, and rightfully so, you know, I, I never criticize you, you, you. Listen, we've talked about that, about Daniel Jones, other players. I, I don't ever have an issue with a player asking for the, the maximum amount of money. I don't, you know, I don't find it as offensive as some fans seem to find it. I don't, 
you know, I also don't subscribe to this whole disease of me theory that, you know, former NFL general manager Michael Lombardi, um, you know, is, is kind of pinning on the Giants like this is some kind of toxin, toxic environment suddenly. I think that's hyperbolic to an extreme. This is just simply negotiation uh, right now with no offer on the table. Saquon's trying to leverage whatever he possibly can. Um, and, you know, that's basically by not signing the, you know, the franchise tender and, and and letting some of the negotiations play out in the media. That's just part of the process. The Giants play that same game. Players and their agents play that game. It's nothing new. It's nothing unique to the Giants. It's not anything that I think anybody should concern themselves with. You know, if he doesn't sign the tag leading up to the regular season, it may become a little bit more problematic. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right now, I'm not screaming that the world is on fire. Yeah, and and I'm with you. I, I'm totally on board with the player using whatever shred of leverage he has at the negotiating table. That's all they can do. Again, we're talking about players versus billionaire owners here, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And you, I root for the player more often than not. And I, I understand. I, I know it's an uphill battle. Saquon's uh, you know, kind of trying to win here. It's a tough one. Uh, at his position, you know, I, I get that, but I don't blame him for holding out. And that's the only leverage yeah. he has. So, so that's yeah, what he's well, going to do. Right. Well, his, his agents, you know, to be fair and honest, his agents certainly didn't do him any favors. The giants had an offer, you know, some reports as much as 13 million. I had, you know, heard between 12 and 12.5 million, but there are other ones that seem to be confirmed that they were offering 13 million annually, which was, you know, obviously a large margin above above the franchise tag and you know fair for for where the market basically reestablished itself this offseason pretty good so, pretty good number yeah so turning it down and and seeking that 16 million dollars a year which he's never going to get i mean again i don't fault him for asking but he's never going to get that so his agents basically cost him 3 million dollars annually and uh, if that's a four year deal and now he goes into this season playing on the one-year franchise tag. God forbid he gets injured again. They really cost him a lot of money. So, you know, they they should have bet when they had the opportunity to, and they didn't, and now the offer's off the table. That's a good take. That's a good take on it. So, obviously, the date we're all watching is the draft, which is coming up in a week, and that's where we're at. But I, I think with the Saquon situation, Dan, July 17th is is the date where they have to work out the long-term deal, and that's kind of the, the deadline. And uh, if they don't get the deal done by July 17th, then I think Barkley's only course of action is to play the season out on the tag. And then mm-hmm. it comes down to how long does he take this holdout, right? And if he continues to try to use that leverage he has and says, fine, you're not going to have my services through training camp and then potentially into the regular season. What I think is interesting here is that he hasn't signed his tender, so the Giants can't really find him. You know, he's not he's not even allowed at the facility until this gets done. So uh, he's not at the facility He's not getting fined. He's not losing money by holding out, but he will lose money, I believe. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know every corner of the CBA. I'm not going to pretend I do. I'm not that smart, Dan. I do believe, though, you know, his salary would be prorated down if he misses games in the regular season. Uh, we were talking before we hit record, though. I don't. You don't see that happening, right? You don't see Saquon taking this into the regular season and missing real games. But one thing that I want to throw at you too before you answer. What if he holds out the entire training camp and then ends his holdout week one? The Giants, are they going to throw him on the field right away if he hasn't been in, in the facility, hasn't been practicing with the team? I think that's another like kind of wrinkle to this. Maybe he misses a couple weeks because he hasn't been with the team all training camp. So there's a lot of layers to this. But do you see this extending to the regular season? What's your gut tell you? I mean, it certainly could. 
I mean, it very well could up to the regular season. I don't see it, you know, playing out into the regular season. But, you know, it's entirely possible that, you know, he holds out throughout training camp in the preseason. Um, I wouldn't put 100% on it because Saquon takes being a captain seriously. And he's, you know, he loves his teammates. He respects his teammates. And I think that was evident by him showing up at Daniel Jones's workouts in Arizona despite not signing the franchise tender. That speaks volumes about, you know, his commitment to the team. And that's different from, and that's separated from, you know, the business side of the NFL where these negotiations are taking place. And, you know, occasionally that crosses over, but no, I don't see that. I don't don't see that playing out into the regular season. And I also don't think that if he did hold out to the regular season, that it would force him to miss any time necessarily. You know, the Giants have the benefit of having Mike Kafka back, Brian Dayball back. There's a little continuity He's familiar with the offensive system. He already knows the playbook from a year ago. Uh, whatever new wrinkles they put in, it's not going to be too difficult for him to pick up. Plus, he's probably trying to, you know, even though it may not necessarily be okay by NFL standards, you know, his teammates are probably feeding him whatever new wrinkles are being installed, you know, as as organized team activities begin. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think either one of those situations are going to really, you know, create any kind of stir or controversy or any kind of problems. You Think back to Michael Strahan in 2007. He he skipped everything right up until the first week of the regular season, stepped in, had a great year, ended up winning a Super Bowl, didn't miss a beat. And, you know, I would be surprised if, you know, the same didn't happen for Saquon. Dan, you know I'm a Patriots fan. You're not allowed to bring that stuff up on the show. We, we, <laughs> we have an agreement. We have an agreement with that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's just an uphill battle for Saquon. You know, I, I feel for him. I know this is his only leverage. I don't know how firm that leverage is when the Giants can just kind of wait him out at this yeah, point. The reality yeah. is it's very, very minimal yeah, at this point. Yeah, he's, yeah, and I think you made a great point with his agents. Maybe he's he's lost the uh, he's lost some of that leverage because the tag has been placed on him at this point. So, and, and we are this far along in the process, and now the attention is on the draft and, and the deals are off the table. Uh, so I think it's it's interesting. The, the whole thing that he doesn't really lose money until he he misses games that's that's an interesting thing that that could kind of prolong this holdout we'll have to see how that goes Dan but to me personally not surprised kind of saw this coming with Saquon we talked about it a little bit on the podcast I think uh, it's just the situation with the running backs the, the star running backs want to make X but the teams want to pay Z and it's just you never really meet there at, where, where the player wants it so you can yeah. kind of see this coming. The one that I didn't see dragging out this long, um, the contract negotiation, is Dexter Lawrence, right? Uh, Now, we know the team and the player have been working on a long-term deal. Uh, It's going to be a pretty lucrative one for Lawrence, (laughs) Uh, but it's still not done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be huge. (laughs) It's not done yet, Uh, and Lawrence is set to play on his fifth-year option, which is only worth $12.41 million. Obviously, that's not enough for him. He's holding out as well. He's not at training camp. The Giants are saying they're not fretting it, Dan, as you guys posted on Giants Wire, but... I'm starting to fret it because it's Dexter Lawrence. And I thought this would be on the top of the agenda and getting this deal done for him would be kind of top of mind for Joe Shane. And I'm not saying that it's not going to get done. I, I believe it will. It's just getting annoying. And, and I'm, why is Joe Shane and the Giants not getting this deal done ASAP when they could lower his cap hit and do all that stuff by extending him? Right, Dan? This one is... Uh, this one's more surprising than the Saquon Barkley thing with me. This the Dexter Lawrence uh, current holdout and uh, kind of negotiation getting stalled with his uh, with his extension. What do you think about Dexter? Well, I mean, first of all, it's you know it's just the offseason 
workout program. It's not like he's he's missing training camp or anything, you know, significant at this point. Um, but listen, that's a big this is a big time contract. This is a big time long term contract that's being worked out, and it's going to be outside of Daniel Jones. It's really going to be the first one that is going to be market setting or market resetting for Joe Shane. So I kind of understand why it's lingering. There are no bad feelings between the two sides. They've been actively engaged in negotiation conversations for the entire offseason. And, you know, something like this one, this is not going to happen overnight because you're, you're going to essentially see maybe not a reset of the market, but you're going to see Dexter Lawrence earnings upwards of, you know, the second most for an interior defensive lineman in the NFL, maybe behind Aaron Donald. Uh, arguably, you probably can't go above that, even though I'm sure his representatives are pushing for that. Um, it's also it's also unique in a way because uh, Dexter Lawrence is basically a pure nose tackle who can also rush the passer and create all kinds of havoc. So you are negotiating with a generational talent, a unique talent that, you know, there's not very much of around the league. So it's kind of hard to draw comps. And when you look at some of the deals that some of these other top defensive tackles are making, um, you know, that's obviously changing the game in terms of the negotiations, too, because every time they land a deal, that value continues to rise and rise and rise because Dexter Lawrence is, in my opinion, better than almost any defensive tackle or nose tackle in the league, with perhaps the exception of Aaron Donald. And I think there's even an argument to be made there that he may be on that same level. So, you know, I'm not surprised that it's lingering. I'm a little surprised that Big Dex didn't show up, but listen, it's voluntary workouts. It was uh, started on April 17th. It's April 19th at the time of this recording. I, I don't think it's necessarily a huge issue. I don't envision it getting done by the NFL draft, but I do envision it getting done, you know, long before any potential holdout becomes a distraction or a problem. Yeah, I think all those are fair points. And I'm coming at it from like the, uh, the very stressed out fan. You know what I mean? That's that's the angle I'm coming at it with. You know, why is the well, Dexter Lawrence not done yet? You know, it's just yeah, like, you it's got, annoying. You got to remember, you got like Saquon, though. It's not like he's he may be separated from the team in East Rutherford, but he's not really separated from the team. There are plenty of videos of him out there recently within the past week working out with Leonard Williams he looks to be in fabulous shape you know he's staying in touch with his teammates he's staying in shape he's staying on the field he's doing all the things that he needs to do to plug and play when he comes back um as far as the you know the length like I said of this negotiation this is this is a top of the market kind of deal for a unique player so you know there's going to be a lot of give and take in these negotiations and um listen his representatives know that most NFL players only get that one big contract. Very few get that second big contract. He's already playing, you know, going into his fifth season. So chances are if he ends up with a five-year deal, you know, that might be his only big contract. So they're going to try and milk every penny they possibly can out of the Giants. And the Giants, of course, are going to try and save every penny they can. So I, I just don't see the world on fire in this scenario either. I know there's a lot of conversation about it, a lot of notion that, again, the Giants locker room is toxic all of a sudden. I'm not buying into any of that stuff. I don't think this is a big deal by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'm not buying that either. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, those videos, those workout videos, Dan, that's that's sexy Dexy, man. Man, that's a man in shape. That's a man I in shape. I got to tell you, though, as impressive field. as those – yeah, as impressive as those videos were, I wish somebody would tell them to put their damn shoes on because <laughs> some of those weights land on their feet, man. Yeah, your classic classic worrying from Dan. I like that. You know, let's let's not get we don't like injuries that are off the field. 
as people know from our Xavier McKinney uh, stuff last year, <laughs> we don't we don't like stuff happening, especially during the bye week. Uh, so there's a lot going on with the with the contract negotiations with uh, Dexter, obviously Darren Payne with the Commanders, four year, ninety million dollar deal, sixty million guaranteed, average annual value, twenty two and a half million per season. Dan, that's that's probably factoring in with contracts like that. These big contracts going to defensive linemen. We'll have to see how this plays out. But I will say this. It's going to be bigger than that. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. Joe Shane, the fierce is, is Joe Shane like this fierce negotiator, Dan? That, this is one question I, I definitely had for you this week. Like so far, we, we sweated out the Daniel Jones contract, right? And, and all that it came right to the, right to the edge, right? We, we took that right to the, literally to the deadline. He got that done. Finally, the Saquon Barkley negotiations obviously don't seem close. Uh, I, we already brought up the Dexter Lawrence situation. We also have these big contracts coming up, right? Andrew Thomas is going to be a huge future contract that Shane will be negotiating, right? Xavier McKinney is another big one. Leonard Williams has a very delicate contract situation for a lot of reasons, and I'm sure they'll do something with that. They'll be at the table doing something. Julian Love, you you brought this one up to me earlier today. Uh, Julian Love, Shane offered him a contract. Love turned it down, went to market maybe came back to the Giants and they said, no, we've already pulled that offer and, and moved on. Now Julian Love is gone. So Joe Shane, he comes across as kind of like a, you know, a nerd, <laughs> you know, just like this, he's got a smart, nerdy guy. Uh, but is he actually like this fierce, staunch negotiator at the table, Dan? Like, how, how should fans feel about that? Like, is this... Well, he's is, not going to be pushed around. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to be pushed around. When Listen, when he draws a line in the sand, that's it. The line is drawn. Like, it's not personal. And he'll tell you that it's not personal. It's just business. And, you know, when that line is drawn, that's it. He's not crossing it. So, you know, some of these, I think some of these agents thought, you know, this was a first year guy last year. It's a first time general manager. This is his first true off season where he has enough money to actually negotiate some of these deals. Let's see if we could push him around. And as a result, in, in Saquon's case, and certainly in Julian Love's case, hopefully not with anybody else's, but, you know, that, that, that approach, that idea that, oh, we're going to see if we could push Shane around, it's costing players money. And, and you know, some would argue, well, it's costing the Giants players. Well, maybe so, but he he's not going to get bullied into giving more than what he thinks a player is worth. And, and listen, in both cases, in Julian Love's case and Saquon Barkley's case, he offered them above market value and they thought they were worth more. The market, you know, was a reality check for the both of them. So, no, I, I don't. I, I do th- actually. I do think that he's. I don't. I wouldn't call him necessarily a fierce negotiator. Negotiator, but he's certainly a firm one, and he's not afraid of hurting anybody's feelings. Even though he'll tell you straight on, and it, it's true. It's not personal. It is business. But he he's not going to be you know bullied into emotionally feeling bad and ended up giving more money or any of that stuff. It's just not going to happen. No matter how much he loves a player. There is a point at which he won't cross, and no matter how hard you try and get him to cross it, it's not going to happen. And if he needs to move on, he will move on. One thing I never thought about Joe Shane is that I'd be he'd be a scary guy at the negotiating table, Dan. But I'm I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous about Joe Shane at that table. Uh, I, I don't want to be staring across from him. You know what I mean? Uh, but thankfully, these players have agents that, like you said, are screwing the uh, are more often than not screwing the players over in these negotiations with Joe Shane. I, I really <laughs> yeah. thought some of these guys, like Drew Rosenhaus, really thought he was going to bully. Bully Shane around, and it just it didn't happen, and he and he costs his, his player money, and that's listen, that is not something that happens with Drew Rosenhaus almost ever. No. So I, I think everybody, every other agent around the league should take note. You're not going to get one over on this guy. All right. So in terms of some of our draft stuff, Dan, our draft preview stuff, 
one article that was up on Giants Wire this week was the uh, official top 30 visit for Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, uh, which I'm sure have Giants fans feeling a certain kind of way. What should we be making out of the Giants hosting Hooker on a top uh, visit? Nothing, nothing. I, I'm su- <laughs> I'm surprised that people are surprised. First of all, you got to do your due diligence on anybody you believe is going to be in your range. That doesn't necessarily mean a top 30 visit. Maybe that's a little bit of, you know, kind of out of left field, but it's not the only top 30 visit that they've held with a quarterback. So I, I'm just, I guess it's the name. Uh, I guess maybe it was the controversy last year as it related to the Heisman kind of hyped up his name a little bit. And, and then all of a sudden people are looking at it like, Oh my God, that's a top, you know, that's a top quarterback. That's a potential NFL starter, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not necessarily true. Uh, Hooker's a developmental quarterback, although, you know, more on the high end than some of the other quarterbacks. Um, but listen, it's an area of need for the Giants. And I know people hear that and, and probably, you know, their eyebrows raise, like, how can that be when you just dropped $160 million on Daniel Jones? The reality is, first of all, they don't have a third quarterback going into this season. Second of all, Tara Taylor, potentially not with the team next season. Um, so then they have no backup quarterback whatsoever. So the Giants are kind of looking ahead. Plus, at that point, you're two years in to Daniel Jones's four-year deal, two years to go, a third year out if necessary. So why wouldn't you want to have a developmental quarterback on the team? Uh, you know, it could you could pull a Bill Belichick card out, develop that quarterback, and if everything works out with Daniel Jones, you find a you know, cheaper alternative uh, to back him up, a third quarterback, whatever. Then you trade Hooker away for a higher-end draft pick uh, than you used on him, and, and, and it looks brilliant in hindsight. So I, I don't necessarily understand the surprise uh, with what the Giants are doing. It's not even the first time the Giants have done something like this in the past. Even when Eli Manning was on the team, they went through cycles of developmental quarterbacks. Uh, Kyle Laletta, Ryan Nassib, you can go on and on and on, where they would draft these, you know, mid-round quarterbacks, develop them, see if they could trade them, you know, keep them in tow if they needed the, you know, the reserves, the backups, what have you. Yeah, it's just it's just due diligence, right, Dan? I mean, Hendon Hooker is uh, kind of a depressed asset because he's coming off an injury. So he's a guy that you might be able to get a value on. So sure, yeah, that all makes sense. You're just doing your due diligence. But I'm not going to blame fans for uh, getting nutty over a headline. Like, I'm I'm right there with them. I do the same thing, Dan. Uh, this, this is, clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. <laughs> it's part of being a fan. <laughs> It's part of being a fan. Uh, so we're not expecting the Giants to draft Hendon Hooker uh, at number 25. That's pretty much what I, we're saying. I, well, no, not at number 25. But I don't think he's going to – I don't necessarily believe he's going to go in the first round. So Me either, but, you yeah. know, some people are mocking him in the top 12. You know, this is just the, yeah, the season. Yeah, I've seen that. Listen, that's – that season. That's, yeah, that's – that's they, they're mocking him based on potential alone, and, and, and that's great. But, you know, you look at the other quarterbacks, and there's, you know, there's greater potential. So those quarterback needy teams aren't going to – you know, wait around for Hendon Hooker when they can go for one of the, the top guns. So, you know, I, I understand why some people mock him so high. I don't necessarily think he's going to go in the first round. I do think he's going to be a good NFL talent at some point, though. And, you know, listen, if the Giants end up with him, that, hey, great. That's you're adding talent at a position. That's 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 all you want to do at every position in the NFL. So good for Joe Shane if that's ultimately what ended up happening. I really liked Hendon Hooker, uh, Dan, until – he was a 14-point favorite against Georgia, and I picked Tennessee to cover, and they got blown out. <laughs> and then, then I was kind of out on, on Hendon Hooker. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I was he's thinking, got a good arm, that kid. Though, he does, yeah. Sure. He's a good player. He, he's, he's got a chance. He definitely has a chance. So let's talk about some like realistic best-case scenarios for the Giants on day one of the draft. I know, Dan, you've mocked uh, centers to the Giants plenty, which makes plenty of sense. I know they've been connected to 
some of the top centers. A lot of people, this Minnesota kid, John Michael Schmitz, I've seen plenty of articles about the Giants uh, being in love with John Michael Schmitz, and he's their their top target. I don't, I don't know how much we want to believe that, but uh, I think like a, a really good best case scenario for them, maybe some, do something like you, you brought up Bill Belichick a little while ago. Last year, the Patriots came into the draft with, a, they didn't have a right guard. Kind of like the Giants. They don't have a center right now. Uh, the, the Patriots didn't have a right guard, so what they did was they actually traded back in the first round, drafted Cole Strange. It was too early. Everybody made fun of Belichick and said, what are they doing? What are they doing? This guy was a third rounder, whatever. Belichick traded back, got two extra draft picks, drafted Cole Strange, plugged him in as his day one starter. And that's what happened. So could that be a best case scenario for the Giants in this draft? They pick their center, you know, whether it's the Smiths kid or, or someone else, if he's still available, maybe trade back a few spots, get another draft pick or two, and then just go ahead and get their guy. Uh, and just maybe even if they have to reach a little bit, get their guy and plug him right in. Is that, could that be a course of action for the team? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know, listen, I've mocked Schmitz to the Giants at 25, basically just because that's how the, the mock itself is playing out. I don't actually think that's how the the draft itself is going to play out. I don't think any center is going to get taken until at least round two, potentially early round two. You know, these are Tipman, Smiths. Those are excellent. They are excellent centers. They're day one long-term starters in the NFL. So, you know, maybe the Giants do. Maybe that's what they decide to do. They trade down uh, into the low second round, yeah. uh, pick up some extra picks, get their, you know, they get their center. Then they, you know, with that – that other round two pick and another quality player, whether it's a linebacker or cornerback, something along those lines. And they kill two birds with one stone, end up with some extra picks, which again, I think there's going to be another trade anyway. Um, You know, I think maybe the giants, what they're going to do as opposed to trading up or down for a specific player, which again, they may still do. There's a lot of ammunition that that Shane has um, in his bag, but I I could see a trade for an actual veteran from another team, from uh, you know, a day one starter from another team. Uh, maybe cornerback. There's a desperate need at cornerback. We'll go over that a little bit more uh, later in this show. Uh, you know, they could use another inside linebacker. They still need a little bit of depth along the defensive line. It seems to be that they're looking, you know, for some edge rushers as well. Maybe create a three-man rotation there with Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, and player X. Uh, maybe a guard, maybe a wide receiver. They're still looking, poking around some tight ends. So there's a lot of different things that Giants could do. Uh, I'm not, I'm certainly not sure in any direction that they're going to go, uh, but I could see them trading down into the second round for a starting center. I could also see them, like I said, trade picks for a veteran. I could also see them trading up if, if a player that they like who's high on the draft board happens to fall within the range. There's any number of things the Giants could actually do this year. Yeah, I like the idea of trading back and maybe getting another third or fourth round pick because the Giants do have ten, they have ten picks, but four of them are in the sixth or seventh round, right? So they have a lot of yeah, three of them were like right next to each other. Yeah, the yeah, they're going to be so. picking picking pretty close on on day day three there, round oh, seven. It's going to be a nightmare. That'll be cover. fun for you, Dan. That'll be fun for you at Giants <laughs> yeah, Wire. Right. Uh, I like that. So I like the idea of getting maybe getting another third or fourth round pick, still getting your guy, getting that day one starter at center. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't. Do you see any of these top guys getting the fifty seven? Probably not, right? I think that might be a little too late. As far as the center goes, yeah, it's it's possible. Listen, the center value, it's it's not as high in terms of draft stock as it is in mock draft stock. So, you know, all these guys that you've seen go in, you know, round one or early round two, there is a possibility that they fall, um, you know, to to later in round two. There's also a good amount of depth at center in this particular draft. Everybody talks about Schmitz and, and Tippmann, but there are other quality centers, potential day one starters 
uh, in this draft too. And that's going to prevent teams from, you know, making runs on those positions as opposed to runs on quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, you know, and, uh, and edge rushers, for example. So um, it, it could work out for the Giants. You never know how it's actually going to work out in the draft though, but it, it very well could that maybe one of those players, maybe even Smith's falls all the way down to them without having them move in round two. That would be, that would be a best case scenario. Yeah, it would. That's such a good point. Like we all do. We fall in love with like the top ranked centers, but maybe the Giants have one they're they're in love with that they can get in the third round. You know, like that's entirely possible. Uh, maybe it's not one of these top guys. So uh, all good. I, I do. I agree with you. I think that would be if one of these guys fell in their lap at 57, best case scenario, if they're able to trade back and still get their guy and add some mid round draft picks this year, I would love that as well. Uh, the sexier best case scenario, Dan, would be trading up, right? And you said, you you even said they have the ammunition to do that. Trading up to get maybe a, f- a few spots to get like a wide receiver like Jordan Addison, uh, you know, something yeah, that, like that. That would, be, yep, that would be it. The kid from Ohio State, Smith and Jimba, if he if he falls, you know, like something like that. I do like the Jordan Addison player uh, for them, but that would be the sexiest best uh, case scenario. Not what I'm kind of predicting, Dan. I, th- I think something like playing it more safe with the with the center, a, a position you absolutely need. Like it's a huge need. Uh, that one feels a little more realistic, but I would be excited if they did something like this. If they moved up and got a, a wide receiver that could develop potentially into your wide receiver one uh, down the road, that would be uh, would be awesome. Yeah, and again, it's it's certainly a possibility. I mean, it could go any number of ways, but it really depends on how the top you know, 10, 15 start shaking out. If certain guys start yes. slipping beyond that point, if they're high on the Giants board, whoever they may be, who, who's high on our boards is probably very different from who's high on the Giants board. But if there is someone in that range where they think they could take a shot and that player is going to make a huge difference in year one, absolutely I could see them trading up. And it, in that particular case, it probably would be for a wide receiver. I couldn't envision them trading up for – really any other position at that point, or maybe a cornerback if there's like someone on the very top of their list. Cause that, listen, I would argue that's the, their most dire need. And again, we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, so yeah, wide receiver, cornerback, you know, one of those top players that are on the top of their board, if they fall within range, I could 100% see them trading up uh, and making a move for, for whatever guy they believe is their guy. It's a fascinating draft with the wide receivers, Dan, because some drafts you see the wide receivers flying off the board, top 10, top 12, this year, it's it's a little less clear when these guys are going to get picked, to your point, right? Like, teams are going to be trading up for quarterbacks. Those top edge rushers, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, these guys are going to come off the board. Uh, there's, you know, those top offensive tackles are going to come off the board. And then that could push some of these wide receivers down. I mean, there could be a good wide receiver that falls at the Giants' lap yeah. at 25, and they could have a tough decision. Well, yeah, and, and some of these later mock drafts from some of the experts, like Mel Kuyper Jr., um, yeah, uh, you know Todd McShay, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, all these guys. What you're starting to see the trend is is that the wide receivers actually are beginning to fall back. Now, whether or not that turns into reality remains to be seen. But you are starting to notice some of these guys falling back a ways, and, and maybe all even being devalued a little bit uh, in some of the commentary. I don't know if NFL teams and scouts necessarily see it the same way, uh, but yeah, it, it certainly looks like the Giants may end up having a shot at one of the top, maybe a couple of the top wide receivers, whether that means a short trade up or they just fall into their lap. You know, it definitely does seem like it's starting to trend in that direction with only a week to go until the draft. Well, Dan, as you know, the Mel, Mel Kuyper is, he is the 
the Bible, right? When it comes to the draft, he is, he is, he's always right. He's always, everybody just kind of, especially the Jets, whoever Mike, Mel Kuyper has on his big board on ESPN, that's usually who the Jets pick, you know, the other team in East Rutherford there. So that's just a running joke I have. You'll, you'll see the Jets high-fiving in their war room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the top guy on Mel Kuyper's draft list. Like I could have done that. So what are we high-fiving for? Sorry, I can't help myself. I hate the Jets. Uh, okay. So this kind of gets us to our 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 tier our draft tiers in terms of draft needs for the Giants. Dad, I put this together uh, as the non-Giants expert. And I was going to throw these at you. You haven't seen these tiers that I've come up with. I have five tiers. Have no, you okay. have not seen these tiers. I'm going to throw them at you. I, I pr- pretty much have like two, maybe three positions at each tier. And this is just what I came up with based on my research. But then I want you to give your take on it and kind of just give your analysis on my tiers. Here's tier one. I think you're going to agree with me. Center uh, is in tier one. Nick Gates and John Feliciano left in free agency, so there's nothing left to say. We need a center. I think that's tier one in terms of need. And then corner, because there's just not a ton behind Adoree Jackson. Uh, and he actually he has a, a void year on his contract coming up as well, right? So yeah, He's uh, a free agent next year, so the Giants do not have a starting right. cornerback at this point next year. So tier one draft needs for me, center and corner. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. I think cornerback is is by far the biggest need uh for the giants now that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to pick one in round one but um you know given the situation at cornerback given the situation at quarterback next year it's a dire situation for the giants and one they have to address kind of surprised they didn't invest a little bit more money into that position this offseason they did take some chances on some quality players who you know may or may not work out i do think that on paper they're a little bit better than they were uh last year across from Adore jackson but it is a position they have to address. Obviously, they 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 need a center. You know, they signed a you know some guys who could play that position. You know, some with a little bit of experience, but it's no there's no long term answer at that position, and it is certainly a need. So I would agree with you. Uh, I don't think I'd add any other position to that list uh, as as far as a tier list: cornerback, first, center, second in that list. But yeah, that's that's their two neediest positions, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and we never say anything nice again about the Eagles, Dan, but you just see what a, one of the best centers in the league does for your team in your offense. It's just like well, you know, dude, that team. across the board offensive line. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. They just dominate. And it's just like, yeah, we need we need that. I, I, I don't like having players that, uh, yeah, they've dabbled with center. You know, I, I don't like I don't like that on my roster. Well, they need, so, yeah, they need some consistency there, too. They got yeah. They got to find someone that just stays in that position. Yeah, so that that's uh, tier one, not in any specific order. I just had center and corner in tier one. So now tier two, I have I put safety up there. I kind of moved up my list as the offseason went on. Obviously, we talked about Julian Love. Uh, not a popular decision, I don't think, and maybe in the locker room or with fans, but Julian Love is gone. We still have Xavier McKinney. You know, Justin Pinnock is a guy that I think we're high on, right? We talked about him a little bit, but I think uh, if Joe Shane has a chance to get a stud safety in the draft... I think he he would go for it. So safety and then offensive tackle uh, is also in tier two. Evan Neal struggled last year. Uh, now, maybe he's going to make the Andrew Thomas-like jump in year two, and uh, we're all rooting for that. But for now, depth behind, uh, depth behind uh, Andrew Thomas is uh, definitely needed. So I had safety and offensive tackle in tier two. I, okay, now I'm, I don't agree with you on this one. Um, <laughs> good, good, good. Give it to uh, me. Yeah, listen, I do think the Giants have have a lot of faith in Jason Pinnock. Actually, I do think that he's going to play a significant role. Uh, but you got to remember, they signed Bobby McClain, who has a long time, you know, starting experience too, uh, potentially plays that role well. 
I do think they'll add a safety at some point. I don't think it's going to be near the top of their list. And I maybe they do need depth at offensive tackle, but I don't really think it's any kind of a dire situation. We got to remember that Evan Neal, one, was a rookie last year, and two, played through some serious injuries, uh, lower body injuries that made it really difficult for him to plant and, and use his strength. And coming back healthy with, you know, some – experience on the table. I do think that he he's going to improve. I don't know if it's going to be the Andrew Thomas level of improvement, but it's going to be enough where you're not really overly concerned with the position unless there's an injury there. So, you know, as far as the tier list, I don't think I put either of those in there. I, I would, you know, I would potentially argue that they need another interior defensive lineman uh, just for rotational purposes. You, you heard me say it a million times last year, you can't be having Leonard Williams and, and Dexter Lawrence take that many snaps. Now, the addition of Nacho is good. It's going to take some of that pressure off, but you're going to need a fourth guy, a consistent, talented fourth guy who can come in there and stop the run. I also think they still have a significant need an inside linebacker. Um, Okereke is a great addition, but you know that's only one man. You, you don't really have anything else beyond that. Uh, maybe they're hoping Darian Beavers comes back and turns himself into something, but, you know, you're basically crossing your fingers in that situation. So they need to find another starter there. Um, so for me personally, if I was putting the tier list together, I think in tier two, it, it would be maybe defensive interior and inside linebacker. You got to strengthen up the interior of that defense. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. I have them on my tiers, but I had them a little lower. Uh, you had them higher. This is why we're doing the exercise, Dan. I think it's a, it's a healthy <laughs> exercise. So here's, so here's what I had in tier three. Uh, and you could school me on this. I have wide receiver in tier three. I don't think it's a major need. So that's why I put it kind of down my list. But it's a need when Darren Waller is still your best pass catcher. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they've moved the needle a little bit because they they did add depth at that position of free agency. But I do feel like getting a wide receiver, like we said, that could develop into the top guy down the road would be uh, just huge for the team. So I do have wide receiver on here. Not a top need for for sure, but tier three. And then I had... I kind of lumped edge and D-line depth together in this tier, so I'm kind of with you on that. Giants have really good pass rushers. Never a bad thing to have more and right. interior D-line, like you said. So that was my tier three. It was edge, D-line, depth, and wide receiver. Yeah, I, I agree with some of that. I, I certainly think that wide receivers, that's where I'd put them as well. And I know some fans are going to scoff at that, but <laughs> the Giants have added a significant amount, and there are still quality wide receivers that you can have in the mid-rounds that are going to make an impact this season. So, And that's not to say that they won't target one of the top guys. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying in terms of positional need, uh, wide receiver would fall in Tier 3 for me as well, edge rusher as well. Uh, you could make the argument that maybe that belongs a little bit higher because they don't necessarily have the depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do a lot of blitzing, so it's not like they necessarily need that pure edge rusher. But they have it with Kayvon Thibodeau anyway, and a healthy Aziza Jalari. Wouldn't hurt to add another one, so that's why I would put edge in Tier 3 as well. I, I would maybe even make the argument that depth for tight end belongs in Tier 3 because as talented as Darren Waller is, he's not going to be able to play 100% of the snaps. It's just not realistic. He's also got an injury history, so you run the risk of of losing your number one guy with no pure pass catching backup behind him. Daniel Bellinger is a quality pass catcher, but he's really more of a blocker. Uh, Lawrence Cager is athletic. He's talented. He can create mismatches, but there's been a level of inconsistency throughout his career, and there's really not much behind that so i i would also argue that the giants would probably be looking for a high quality 
you know, pass catching tight end. So I would put that in tier three as well. Yep. I, I, that makes perfect sense. I have tight end in my tiers. I had him a little bit lower. I'll, I'll tell you why here in a minute, but that makes, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so my tier four was inside linebacker. And this one, I kind of wrote in my notes, Dan, I had this one higher before they signed Bobby Okereke, but then I moved it down a little bit. But yeah, I, I agree. That's still a need. I just had it a little bit lower than you did. And then this might be a fan fanboy overreaction. So you could call me out if it is, but running back, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley is a holdout threat. Uh, right now, Matt Breida is behind him. So I think a, a really good exercise and one that works against Saquon Barkley in terms of just how the NFL does its business is those top tier running backs looking for the big contract get squeezed out when it's time for their second deal by these good rookies that come in in the mid rounds that are cheap and can put up similar production. I don't know if a third or fourth round rookie can put up Saquon Barkley numbers, but you can get decent production at the position if you need to by drafting rookie running backs in the third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, so I would imagine the Giants have enough picks that they might, they might, I could see the pick at a running back in the draft, Dan. It's just like a little prediction there. So oh, they're going. To. Yeah. So I had running back to. in tier four. Yeah. Tier four uh, for running back. I agree with you. Um, I, I think you can get a quality back even in the late rounds these days, uh, just because the position is so devalued for whatever reason. I don't yes. necessarily agree with the devaluing of the position, but it is nonetheless. So uh, that's why I wouldn't put running back higher simply because you, you're not going to have to waste the top end pick on, on a running back these days. You could find a quality back with some of those three picks in the seventh round that they have. You could find a quality productive running back as an undrafted free agent. So yeah, I agree with you that that belongs um you know, in, in tier four, I, I would also argue that, you know, guard belongs in tier four. I know the giants continue to insist that they're content with what they have there. I, I'm not in the, on board with that necessarily. I, I even considered possibly putting that into tier three, but ultimately, you know, the giants, they just seem so content with what they have that I didn't. Um, but I could see them potentially adding, you know, a left guard in particular, because there's a lot of uncertainty at that, that, that position. This is also where maybe depth at safety comes in. Um, maybe tier four there as well. Thinking about the other positions, you know, there's nothing else that's that's necessarily glaring, but that's not to say that we didn't just list off a ton of different <laughs> yeah. positions. Yeah, you can uh, see it. So, I'm a little upset yeah, that I got safety so wrong, Dan. You know, I had him in tier yeah. two, so that's obviously a blunder on my part, but this is a, this is a, a fun experience to, to kind of, it, yeah. it kind of puts you in the, in the analyst and, and shoes, you, you know, what, yeah, they could, you could tell what they think about safety just by the amount of prospects at the position they scouted. And, and as far as top 30 visits, there was like maybe one or two that were noteworthy um, and really only one or two at the position alone. So they don't seem necessarily desperate at that position. Obviously they're banking on Xavier McKinney staying healthy and listen, if he is healthy, that's, that's your lockdown. Number one safety that immediately cuts your needs right in half. And, and like we've said repeatedly, they, and like they've said repeatedly, they're high on, on, on Jason Pinnock. They're confident in, in, in some of their other additions this offseason. So that's the only reason I put it down so far. Um, I could, like I said, though, I could see them taking a safety at some point in this draft. I just don't think, uh, you know, among all of the plethora of needs they have, that that's really one screaming at them. Yep, that makes perfect sense. And then my tier five was, uh, I had tight end in tier five just because, not feeling as pressing of a need after they got Darren Waller, but like you said, he's dealt with injuries all last season. He is 30. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. I also like how the, you yeah. Know, and you're one, you're one injury away from having real problems. In yeah. A hundred percent. You don't want that. And it's a big tight end draft. So I, I think they should, they should mm -hmm. definitely draft a tight end with one of these picks. And I think they will. Uh, I also liked what Daniel Bellinger showed last year, uh, showed some toughness. He kind of caught on pretty quick. 
showed a little rapport with Daniel Jones. So I didn't have this as a, as a huge need, but I wanted it on the list. I also had a, a guard depth is a good one that uh, I'll add that to my list. I didn't have it on, but it was a good point you made. So I'd, I'd put guard depth here as well. And then uh, punt kick return help. I think if they could find someone late in the draft, they have a million seventh round picks, as we said. So mm-hmm. can we find a return guy, Dan, that we could trust? You know, yeah, that, that could be one. Guy would yeah, be nice. that would be nice, too. So maybe a specialist that could help get some of those hidden yards for the Giants that maybe we've been lacking um, on special teams. So those are my tiers. What do you think? Yeah. Well, give me a grade, Dan. Grade my tiers. You can give me a draft grade. All right, you pass. Okay, I mean, you get a, that's all I was hoping for. <laughs> you get a C. I guess. C for degree? Uh, yeah. And this is where we got to throw quarterback on too, though, because, you know, again, going back to what we were saying earlier, um, you know, I know a lot of people are going to forget and overlook that position, but the Giants have an issue there moving into the future. So it is something they're going to have to address. It's certainly not as pressing a need as so many of the other positions, but it is one that they're going to have to address one way or another. Um, So for that alone, I, I would put that in tier five. Uh, because again, whether it's an undrafted free agent, whether it's a drafted pick, or they end up signing a veteran, there is a move that must be made at that position at some point. So it has to be considered, even though some may not necessarily want to. And this is also where I would throw in, you know, the offensive tackle uh, depth, because they they do need to add someone there, some big body, maybe a big body developmental talent who, you know, has high, you know, potential high ceiling, but needs a lot of work right now. A late round pick is one that I would be looking for at that position. Okay, so I, I got to see because I, I screwed up my tier two is really what you're saying. <laughs> okay, so I got I overreacted to the Julian Love leaving. Hey, it's is really not that bad when it comes to this. I'll take this a kind seat. Of stuff, I'll take a seat because I'm I'm not smart enough for this. Really, there, let me let, let me tell you. There's a lot of ones out there who people list in their players and positions of need that they're getting D's and F's. So <laughs> good, good, yeah. Well, at least I got tier one right. That makes me happy. You know, usually. Well, there's so many fans that'll tell they'll still tell you the most pressing need on the team is a starting quarterback. Oh yeah, well I didn't even have quarterback on my list, but you're right. Backup quarterback <laughs> is a need, so that that should be on here somewhere. Well, Daniel uh, Jones haters won't die. <laughs> I like the tears, Dan. We we'll have to bring the tears back. We could we could bring we could use tears for a lot of different things. You know, give you your tears for the top teams in the NFL. You know, we could do that throughout <laughs> the season. I could give you my tears, and you could correct me and give me a grade. I, I kind of like that. It was a fun exercise, I thought. But uh, <laughs> it's all to say uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the draft, but we're excited, right? That's kind of, that's yeah. kind of what you could say it's, on a it's draft. Great because it's, it, for sure. It's, and listen, uh, for giants fans, it's wonderful because, you know, for so many years, it feels like now almost a decade, it feels like you, you kind of knew you could narrow down, not just the positions that the giants were targeting, but the players that the giants were targeting, you knew whether or not they were going to trade predominantly. There were a couple, you know, curveballs thrown by Dave Gettleman at times, but, you know, like I said, predominantly, you knew where the Giants were going, what position, what player they were targeting. Um, a lot of that was done early in the draft, so it was easy to predict. Going into this one, I don't know. Throw everything up in the air and see where it lands, because that's going to be your best guess. Shane could trade up. He could trade down. He could trade out. He could trade for players. He could target any position basically across the board with, you know, a few exceptions. Um, and, and when you look at the pool of players at those positions, completely open to interpretation in terms of uh, of draft value. So there are any infinite number of options that, that the Giants and Joe Shane could take this year. And I think that unpredictability makes it more exciting than it's been in about a decade. All right, Dan. So you have any advice for Giants fans? Uh, you know, got to hydrate. Maybe drink some drink some evening coffee. Get yourself ready. And Don't break you have, television. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just hope, you know, as a Patriots fan, 
I'm used to the Patriots picking in this 25 to 30 range. That's usually where they've, they used to fall at least before they started sucking. Uh, but I would always stay up all night waiting for that first pick and then Belichick would trade it. And I would just like, Oh, you, Oh, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, you know, if that happens, Could I feel happen. your pain. Yeah. I feel Could your happen. pain giants fans that that does happen. Uh, but you, you have any advice for fans they gearing up? They're going to have to wait a long time. As we said earlier to, to finally get this pick. Just enjoy it. It's been such a long time <laughs> yeah. since the Giants to relax for the first you know, couple hours of the draft. Yeah, for real. It's, it, listen, the Giants have a quality leadership. Joe Shane knows what he's doing. He's a good GM. Dayball's a good head coach. Uh, they're they're in good hands for the first time in a long time. Don't stress it. Just sit back. Just relax. Just enjoy it. Have faith that these guys know what they're doing and they're going to make the best decision for the team. And you know, celebrate the player, whoever that player may be. And just just enjoy it because it's the first time in a long time that you don't really need to overly stress about which direction this this draft takes. So, so the Giants are going to get better on day one. They're going to get better on day two, and they're going to get better on day three. So just chill out and enjoy the ride. Well, that's Dan Benton right there. You can find his stuff on the Giants wire. That's the place to be over the next week as you get geared up for the draft. There's plenty of, I'm sure, more draft previews and draft prep going on for that, Dan, as well. Uh, and then I guess we'll be back. We'll be back the week after the draft to break down what happens. Yep. That's kind of yep. what our plan is. Yep, that's going to be it. Yeah. So by then we'll we'll not only have the draft picks, we'll have all of the undrafted free agent signings. So yep. there'll be a plenty of new, plenty of new players and and potentially pre, uh, trades to break down. So there'll be a lot going on a week after the draft. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Dan can grade the team instead of me. And that'll be a little bit more comfortable, I think, for all of us. So Hopefully they get an A+. Plus. Yeah, exactly. We're hoping for an A, not a C. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so for Dan, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the pod this week. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.